Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Dr. Jack Cruz and Daniel P. Huber of uh, Lucia Eyes, L-U-C-I-A-E-Y-E-S.com. So guys, thanks for coming. How are you doing? No problem. How are you? Good, good. Good, Richard. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Well, tell me about Lucia Eyes. What's the premise of the company? So uh, the reason we wanted to have Dr. Cruz on was a lot of the stuff that he teaches on his uh, website, jackcruz.com, is where we came up with this idea. I'll give you a brief background. In 2011, as a 45-year-old, I was playing soccer every week with uh, 20-year-old kids in an open division and uh, doing kickboxing and jiu-jitsu three times a week. Wow. And after moving into a house, a year later, I had gained 40 pounds, had high blood pressure, my vision was going bad, I had headaches and brain fog and fatigue, sleep apnea, all kinds of digestive issues. We really couldn't figure out what was going on. Went to about six different doctors. And finally, in 2015, here in Texas, we had been going through a drought. In 2015, we had a lot of rain. We figured out we had uh, mold growing under our house. And the mold had made me really sick, causing a whole bunch of health issues. And after going to about five or six different doctors and being told, you're just getting old, it's in your head, you're crazy... I stumbled onto Dr. Cruz's website and started looking at some of the protocols and things that he put in place. And one of the big things he promotes is, among other things, is blocking blue light. So we started changing out light bulbs in the house and getting rid of the LED lights and compact fluorescent bulbs and going back to incandescent bulbs that were tinted either yellow, amber, or red. But that wasn't doing enough. We started wearing blue blocking glasses. And my wife and I have been married for a long time. We have seven kids. Wow. And uh, trying to get the kids, especially the teenagers, to incorporate these new behaviors and blocking blue light and getting them to agree that their screens <laughs> are ca- causing some kinds of I know. issues for everybody. They wouldn't wear the ones we could get off Amazon and the other ones that were out there didn't have many frame styles for children, especially women. We decided, my 17-year-old daughter and I decided to start a... Uh, Blue Blocking Glass Company, and uh, incorporating a lot of the things that I'd like you to ask Dr. Cruz about with Blocking Blue Light. We just started, we saw a, a hole in the marketplace for families and especially for children. So our target is protecting children and families' eyes from the harmful exposures of blue light. It'd probably be wise for me to stop talking and let Dr. Cruz talk about the science and the medicine behind what blue light does and why it caused so many health issues with me and the mold exposure. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I have uh, three kids myself and they're on the devices and, you know, late at night and it messes up their sleep. And um, my wife and my youngest, uh, the eye doctor told them they have very little pigment, I guess, in their eyes. So they're very sensitive to, you know, light in general. So I'm glad that we're having this call because I'm 
I'm probably 100% certain that we need you guys to step too. So, yeah, so let's get into it. Maybe, Dr. Cruz, you can kind of explain the mechanics behind it. Well, I mean, the, the, the key question is, you know, you have to understand blue light uh, by itself is present in the sun, but it has six other colors with it. And it turns out that blue light has to be have, have its antidote uh, within the sun that's present. Red light is always present when blue light's present uh, in nature. It turns out with our artificial devices, specifically screens, the fault factory settings are set for something called uh, color temperature. Color temperature is 5750 for most screens. That's uh, uh, consistent and congruent with solar noon. So that means every time your child or you look at a screen that is not protected, your brain gets the message that it's solar noon. And that screws up the circadian mechanisms in your eye. One of the things that you just said about your own kids that's quite interesting is if the pigment is reduced in the eye, that pigment is actually stimulated by full spectrum light, specifically light that has both UV, blue, and red in it. That part of the eye is called the retinal pigmentum epithelium. And that pigment is actually melanin. That's the same thing that's in our skin. And generally... Uh, when you're blue light toxic because you're using too much technology, uh, you have multiple different risks, but all of them stem from lowered melatonin levels in the brain. And it turns out when melatonin levels are lowered, we also know that dopamine levels are lowered. That leads to psychological problems. It also leads to hormone problems because dopamine is one of the guardians of the pituitary gland. Melatonin happens to be a guardian for... Um, organelles in your cells that actually make all the energy in your body. Um, in allopathic medicine, we have this focus on DNA and RNA as the be-all, end-all. But it turns out we're learning from major researchers like Doug Wallace that all energy production comes from the mitochondrial genome. And that's a genome that not too many people talk about. And melatonin controls the two change programs that control mitochondrial energy production. So basically, blue light makes you breathe less. It makes you sleep less and makes, uh, has great effects on your basal metabolic rate. So this wow. is the reason why it has massive effects throughout the body. Some of those massive effects that have been documented in peer-reviewed literature are changes in memory. It's harder to learn. Blue light over time actually becomes a neurotoxin because it makes uh, photochemicals in the eye, uh, so-called free retinol that destroys other photoreceptors in the body. It leads to depression. It leads to obesity can lead to some cancers, especially epithelial cancers. It's also now been linked to AMD and cataracts uh, and significant uh, issues with the retina, um, some of which you may have heard of, which is myopia or nearsightedness. That's the reason why people in Asia who use a lot of screens, 96% of people below the age of 25 wear glasses from myopia. So uh, you can see the effect is uh, widespread and it's global and it's getting worse every day because since 2010, uh, we now have children, which is really Dan's focus, that have never grown up in a world like Dan and I grew up in or uh, as you grew up in. And the reason why this is a big deal is blue light, as, as it stands by itself, is much more dangerous to brains that are not fully myelinated. And many people don't realize I'm a brain surgeon. That's what I do in my day job. Kids' brains don't fully myelinate until 25 to 28 years old. So wow. if you constantly irradiate their brain without protection, you are going to cause some significant nonlinear collateral effects down the road. And, and for any of your listeners who've actually 
watched the recent documentary called The Social Dilemma, this is borne out and laid out in there how algorithms and blue light actually can change the substance of what a person believes, thinks, actually how they present disease. Really? This is crazy. Is it enough, for instance, um, you know, on devices for family members to use like efflux, you know, so it's more of a reddish profile in the evening hours, or is that just a start? Like what? I think efflux is a start. It's good because it's, it's free and it's cheap. The problem that I have with efflux, there's another effect of blue light from screens or really light from screens, which is called flicker. So the better software than efflux is something called iris. Iris software is probably where everybody should start. Unfortunately, iris and efflux are not available for TV screens. The ones that are available for TV screens are, are as far as I'm concerned, pretty poor. So the best way to do it is mechanical blockade, which is kind of what Dan's company is all about. It's wearing glasses on your eyes. There's other things that you can do in terms of buying plastics for the screen and putting it over it to make sure that the uh, frequencies that are particularly blocked are 435 to 465. But honestly, when you understand the biology melatonin, because melatonin disruption is the, the kind of the big gorilla in the room, protection has to go all the way up to 550 uh, nanometers. And unfortunately, the things that are present on iPhones, Androids, and most tech devices don't go far enough. Hmm. Jump in and give you kind of an N equals one here, Rich, that that I didn't talk about the recovery. When I got sick, it was really hard to concentrate and focus. And the brain fog was horrible that Dr. Cruz is talking about. And I sat for about eight hours a day in front of three computer screens doing my job with a Wi-Fi router about two feet away from me. Mm. I didn't realize that that was setting me up for failure with mold. So after about six weeks of blocking blue light, my sleep came back. And once I started sleeping, I had the sleep apnea. And so once that inflammation went down from the brain and the sleep came back, the weight started coming off. Within a year, I was down 45 pounds. I was back to working out. Uh, the memory came back. We had some other protocols we threw in there, but the big game changer for me was implementing the melatonin procedures that Dr. Cruz talks about with blocking blue light and then getting up and seeing the sunrise every day and getting as much sunshine in your eyes and your skin as possible. So literally within a year of thinking I was dying, I was back to almost normal. Wow. People need to be aware that the collateral effects of melatonin, because I think most people know about melatonin, they know it affects sleep, but what they don't realize that blue light by itself raises blood glucose and insulin. So that means what I'm saying clearly, if you're blue light toxic, it's equivalent to you eating five cheesecakes a day. And that has profound effects on the immune systems. For example, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I think most people would be shocked to find out that when blood glucose and insulin go up, you're much more at risk for viral disease. Well, it turns out you're also more at risk for fungal and mold toxins, which is exactly what happened to Dan. And this is an aspect of the COVID-19 epidemic that very few people have wanted to talk about. Unfortunately, I've talked about it multiple times on Twitter, actually, when I mentioned Dan's glasses, that they actually can be a benefit to people who have, you know, high comorbidities. And most people who are blue light toxic, for people who will be listening to this, that I want to understand is that those people generally have low vitamin D levels. So if you really wanted to find out you're a blue light toxic and didn't know, 
Uh, you could ask your physician or you don't even have to ask your physician these days. You can go get your own vitamin D level drawn. And if it happens to be below about 35 uh, nanograms per milliliter, uh, you probably need to be concerned and you probably need to consider blue blocking glasses for you know, yourself or the people in your family. Well, I'd like to say, you know, there's a whole bunch of things to ask you about this. This is like a whole, it sounds like this is a whole body of research that I'm sure is partially being done, needs to be done, et cetera. So sunlight, what is the, uh, the nature of sunlight? You know, in the morning, is it more blue favored and the evening, is it more red, orange favored? Like, you know, what is, uh, what's the body's effect to sunlight throughout the day, you know, from morning to afternoon to evening? Well, sunlight has different effects at different times of the day and also different times of the season. So, for example, what people need to be aware of when the sun rises, the color temperature of light in the morning is radically different than it is later in the day. So we use these numbers called Kelvin. In the morning, it's 12 12 to 1600 Kelvin. At sunset, it's around 12,000 Kelvin. Uh, We happen to have a blue light detector in our eye and our skin and actually in our arteries called melanopsin and it pays attention to the abrupt change in light that's the reason why at sunset when it goes from 12 12,000 k to zero that's actually how your brain tells that it's physically nighttime mm. uh, so anytime you check your cell phone either through your eyes and your skin you actually can disrupt your melatonin level and i actually did a study with my own kids about 10 years ago uh, and we found on average that uh kids their age actually uh looked at their screen 150 times a day. So if you're understanding that there's a clock mechanism in your eye that controls just about everything in your body, including your metabolism, if you keep disrupting that optical lattice clock with alien light that you're not designed to see from an evolutionary basis, you can see the reason why doctors are impotent to fix many of the chronic health issues that are present today uh, in our country. In fact, this is the reason why you know, I think Dan's most concerned about kids because when I was a young doctor, you know, it's pretty unheard of to see kids between the age of 15 and 25 kill themselves. Now it's the number one cause of death in that age group. And, uh, you know, we have a technocracy that's out there now and it, this problem is not going away. It's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. Yeah. yeah. So if, if a, a typical person uses their cell phone throughout the day, what's happening? So normally they would have, I guess, the sun and other natural cues to tell them, okay, the day is progressing and their hormone levels would fluctuate accordingly. But if I look at my phone, you know, a hundred times a day, I guess what's happening is it's reinforcing, oh, it's noon, oh, it's noon, oh, it's noon over and over again. And so what does that do to my hormone production throughout the day, you think? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. It destroys it. It causes, some, it causes something called the pregnenal and steel syndrome. And usually it alters the uh, cortisol and melatonin aspects. So cortisol is the hormone that wakes us up in the morning. Melatonin is the one that puts us to sleep. And how the body usually responds is in the morning, usually around 5 to 6 a.m., cortisol starts to rise. And that's actually physically what wakes us up. That's actually when melatonin starts to go away. What happens then over the day, cortisol should slowly flatten. And then when we get to nighttime, melatonin begins to rise after about four hours of darkness, assuming that you do get four hours of darkness. These days, because of artificial light in our cities and our streets and our life and also on our screens, that rarely happens. So after doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, what, what do we have? We now have 
an epidemic of very young people having problems and diseases that their grandmothers and grandfathers used to get. And no one seemed to realize when I started all this 15 years ago that the light mechanism in the eye and the eye clock is actually what was behind most of these chronic issues. Now, fast forward 15 years when I used to say this as a neurosurgeon, people thought I was crazy. Now it seems like I'm a prophet because uh, the, the amount of research that's out there, and I do want to clarify something you said, we don't need any more research for this, uh, Richard. We already know this is de facto true. The problem is we need people like you and your program to get this message out that people need to really mind their screen time just as they mind their diet and exercise because the fundamental belief that people have out there is if they decrease their calories and exercise that they can lose weight is fundamentally false now that we know that blue light can mimic exactly what, what food does because light is a drug. And, and for people who don't believe this is the case, I will remind them and I always remind them that the entire food web on this planet is made by photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is a light described process. Basically, chlorophyll in a leaf stops light from the sun. When light stops, it creates things with mass. That's what an apple fundamentally is. People forget these basic concepts and they especially forget it when it's associated with technology. So, you know, I have a duty as a surgeon to teach people how these things work because uh, when I was in medical school, unfortunately, um, these things were, it was not a big issue. The only screens that we had then were black and white and color TV. Now screens are ubiquitous. And I'd venture to say that we've changed the electromagnetic spectrum more on planet earth than we've done any single thing really in all of healthcare. And to this very day, to this very podcast, people are ignorant of this fact. Yeah. Yeah, side note, Richard, just when I said I lost the 40 pounds, I didn't change my diet or exercise. And a couple other quick little tidbits for parents with kids. So, you know, our kids would complain at bedtime and fight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We changed the light profile in our house and started the blue blocking glasses. By 8.30, 9 o'clock, they're all ready to go to bed. And when we say it's time to go to bed, they go. And they all wake up without any, unless we've had like, a birthday party or something, but by and large, they get up on their own between 6.30 and 7.30 every day without alarm clocks. And then the behavior modifications that happen, you know, there's, I'd say 5% of the tantrums and blow-ups, the kids' moods are better, they're happier, they're more compliant, easier to get along with. Not that we have bad kids before, but- the, No, I understand, yeah, I understand. The frustrated children- have gone down by 90, 95%. I also want to be clear with you, Richard, there, the documented proof that white LED light and fluorescent light causes spikes in blood glucose and insulin should be, should be very clear that there's at least six papers out that take that process all the way through. Uh, if you follow my Twitter feed, that, that picture is present with those papers on it. So people will be very clear that this process is not hyperbole. It's not Dr. Jack Cruz's opinion. This is biologic fact. It's just yeah. not well-known fact. No, this is extremely interesting. Daniel, what's the protocol in your house? Like what time does everyone put on these uh, the Lucia, Lucia eyeglasses at a certain time and wears them until they sleep or what happens? So since we've changed the light bulbs in the house, we're not as 
as restrictive about it, but if a television screen or a computer screen, telephone or tablet are on, the kids are required to wear their glasses. And so the kids police each other, you know, the one kid will yell, dad, Nick's not wearing his glasses. And then he'll yell, (laughs) I'm getting him. I'm getting him. So it's now like anything, any kind of change with, with kids or with anybody, it just takes a little bit of time. And once they get used to it, it's fine. And the the glasses we have are cool. They have all good styles. My 17 year old daughter helped design and pick out all the styles and the frames and the website. Oh, nice. Very current. Not an old guy like me trying to tell kids to wear these chunky glasses that I got off him. So. Well, you remember the old school blue blockers with Joe Sugarman from like the 80s. Right. You know, they look like, like when you go to the eye doctor now, they give you these like cheap plastic Terminator looking, you exactly. know. Yeah, they, they look much better than those, I'm sure. So, yeah. Yeah, no, they're all great styles and we do prescription and non-prescription. Oh, so, yeah, so exactly what I was going to ask you. So everyone in my family has prescription eyeglasses. So you just get this as an extra pair. Uh, with the prescription in them and then the light blocking what is it a laminate that goes onto the lens or what is it oh good question so we've got daylight lenses which block up to 60 percent of the blue light and they're kind of an amber tint and both the daytime and the nighttime our lenses are impregnated with the blue blocking material in the polycarbonate so when the lenses are ground the the blue blocking material is already inside the lens so that way if you get a little scratch on it it doesn't diminish the effectiveness of the blocking blue blocking technology so um are these night glasses or can you do you have ones that can transition throughout the day so they're worn all the time or not yet so we have daytime ones which block like dr cruz is talking about the the spectrum up to 550 nanometers and those block 60 percent of the light you can wear those when you're on your screen if you've got the iris or the uh, flux on there and then at nighttime, there, we have the 100% blue blocking lenses we have our kids wear just as soon as the sun goes down. So no blue lights getting through. People oh, also wow. need, to, need to realize that when people use the term blue blocking glasses, that all blue blockers are not created equal. In fact, the Luxottica lenses, the ones that you get from like VisionWorks, you know, the big houses, most of those yeah. blue blocking glasses are garbage. The lenses are nice, but the lenses themselves don't block enough. They're very similar to, you know, what the tech firms tell you about their screens or um, their blue blocking protection stuff like Apple has night vision. When you check it with a spectroscope, you find that they're not very good. The tech companies do it for a reason. They want to destroy your blue light to lower your dopamine so they addict you to their technology. They've been very successful at doing that. The blue blocking uh Glass companies don't want to fully do it because they don't want to spend the extra money that it takes to do the process that Dan has actually just mentioned in there. It's better to, instead of dipping the glasses, to have the lens fully impregnated because that way if a scratch does come up, it doesn't ruin the glasses. How effective on a percentage scale would you say Luxottica and these other ones are versus uh, Lucia? Well, in terms of my opinion, I'm a pretty stringent guy. I would tell people that I would much rather everybody wear the 550 BPI tints all the time when they're around artificial light. And the reason why is because people are being overdosed with it. The reason for that, if you understand fundamentally what I've said before, that it raises your insulin levels and blood glucose, how would your doctor react if you said you were going to go constantly eat a slice of cheesecake every 15 minutes of every day? Mm. 
they would probably tell you, you might want to think that over. Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing is true with the glasses. And I think you have to realize the younger uh, the people are, the more the problems are, the more addicted they become. And if you've ever tried to take a phone away from a 10 or a 15 year old that's had the phone for any substantial time, you see a phenomenon that's very similar to a heroin addict or someone who has a gambling addiction in a casino. And it's actually built around the same process. It's about the blue light lowers your dopamine level. That's the reason why casinos don't have windows. It's the reason why all slot machines are blue lit. It's also the reason why they like uh, to allow smoking and alcohol use in casinos, because all of these things alter your dopamine level. Uh, And that makes it uh, far more addictive. It shouldn't shock anybody when you think about people who use drugs like heroin, why they tend to do it at nighttime when blue light and artificial light is more prominent. That's the reason why so many rock stars have problems with opiates. Um, well, I noticed with my children, when we get them out and about, we've gone out for the day in the sun and all that, they're, they're much better behaved. And when they haven't gone out, you know, especially with, you know, the Corona garbage going on, that's been even worse. But um, when they haven't gone outside enough, they're irritable, you know, it's just not fun dealing with them. And they're just much happier than hey, well, nature. Richard, you may not know this because I don't know how old you are, but a gentleman named Dr. John Ott, who worked for Walt Disney a long time ago doing time-lapse photography, did yeah. an amazing study in 1977 in Sarasota, Florida, where he actually did time-lapse photography of, of kids in school. And the only variables, that the, the variable was that with the same kids were in the same room, and all he did was open and close the windows and time-lapse photography them. Kids that were behind glass with artificial light on, that were lights made by GE, began to act like they had ADHD. Soon as the lights were turned off and the windows were open and it was sunny out, the behavior went away. Wow. That, those, that study is still published in his book. You can read it. It was buried in the annals uh, of the internet by Google and GE so that no one would find out about it. And when I mentioned it, you know, 10 years ago to the people who will follow me, and people mm. look at it, you can actually still look it up on Wikipedia. I'm sure Wikipedia will scrub it soon via its algorithm yeah. as well. But it's it's one of those things, if you have kids, you probably want to know a little bit about this. Yeah, no, no, that's... that's uh, hmm. Kind of Ready? quick to answer your question about the effectiveness of the other ones that are out there. There's some other really good manufacturers out there, but the company we uh, contracted with to manufacture our lenses did a study and on average, the capability of most of the blue light blocking lenses that are out there is about 6% effective. Right. It's not good enough for me. Okay. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, you said garbage. I just wanted to quantify like, you know, but 6%, yeah, that, that sounds like garbage. If it was 60, 70%, I'm not telling people to go get those solutions, but it's just different than 6%. So that's, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, the hole in the market we saw was for families and kids. Most of the stuff that's out there that's really good is kind of in the gamer style for these gamers that are on their computers all the time. And that just wasn't the style for fashionable girls. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the uh, the typical pair of, of Lucia, is it recommended just for evening use or do you have a different one that's for all day, all night use? So we have two different styles. There's the daylight lenses and the nighttime lenses. And it's kind of... The nighttime lenses have an orange amber tint to it. And so I can see somebody trying to go to school with the red glasses on. And, and I know what Dr. Cruz is saying. He's recommending beyond the 
if you're on a screen, be on the 100% blocking glasses. But there's also a social aspect to it with the kids not wanting to be harassed or teased or feel different. That's why we have the daylight lenses that block 60%. And they're just a little champagne colored tint to them. So we recommend if you can, like Dr. Cruz says, to wear the, when you're on screens, wear the 100%. But if you can't, then the 60% ones are very effective. Okay. But again, all day long, you wear at least one of these two when you're fine. I disagree with that too. Okay. I don't think you can wear them all day long. You still have to get natural sun. Mm. Uh, And if you don't get natural sun, when you're outside, you need, if your job requires you to be in front of a computer, like Dan, Dan did for seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. Every five minutes, or I should say five minutes for every hour, you need to get out in the sun. You need to let your brain know really what time of day it is and to let it sense the sun. That's a big mistake. The easy way to do it in your car is just roll the windows down, put the glasses on the, the bridge of your nose. You probably won't need to wear the glasses when you're out outside at all. It's when you're around artificial light in the house or and it should be and or behind glass because glass actually blocks all UV light and it blocks about 40 to 60% of red. So just the act of being inside makes you blue light toxic, which is part of the reason why the lockdowns that we face for COVID-19 on a scientific basis make absolutely no sense because that lowers your vitamin D level. And that's the one thing that's been shown to be very beneficial um, for COVID-19. So I think people need to realize that blue blocking should be used while you're around the artificial fake light or inside, and you have to make sure that you get some outside time every day, even if it's cloudy out. Why? Because the clouds do nothing to stop the red light, and it turns out that the red light and sun, which is constant from the time sun rises to the sun sets, is the antidote for blue light toxicity. Hmm. Yeah, Richard, that was one of the other big game changers for myself and my family. If you if you see myself and my wife and my kids, we're all tan right now. So we spend as much time out in the sun or outside as we can. And that's been a big, big game changer as far as the health, along with blocking the blue light. But yeah, get as much sunlight in your skin and your eyes as possible. This is, this is the reason why I told you before that you can use your vitamin D level as a proxy for your blue light toxicity. And if you talk to any physician... One of the things that flamoxes them and vexes them is on a population basis. If you look at the United States, we're all vitamin D deficient and nobody out there from the endocrine community can really figure it out why. And the new science that's been out there over the last 10 years shows that the real reason is because of the technology screens we use and the fact that it brings us inside and not outside. You know, kids today don't play baseball outside. They're constantly doing it inside and training. Um, that never happened when I was a kid. Things have fundamentally changed. Um, and I think parents and, and physicians and researchers need to be aware this is a huge problem. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. What about people that have, uh, you know, night owls or super late night owls, people that have different circadian rhythms than the, you know, the one that it sounds like uh, Dan's family has now, the good one? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the, the data on that shows that that's also a learned behavior. So your premise of the question, Jack Cruz fundamentally disagrees with. Those people can be helped by doing the things that we're talking about. The people that are night owls, actually, if you look at a lot of the anti-aging data, those are the people that get sicker quicker and die sooner quicker. So Richard, uh, I, hope they really, I hope they really like their night owl life uh, because they're, they're basically trading you know, fun for time. 
And um, I fundamentally, you know, being a physician, when someone's faced with a cancer, they'll do anything to get some time back. Yeah. And, and I'm not making light of this. I'm being dead serious about it. I think people need to be much more aware of their light environment because it's something they can easily control just by simple behavior changes. Real quick. So right after I started using the blue blocking glasses and changing out the light bulbs, before that, I was one of those night owl people. We have a, a place out west of here in, in Fort Worth where we go camping and stuff. And there's no electricity and no light, unnatural light out there. And so the first time we went out there after I started blocking blue light, you know, it was in the fall and the sun went down pretty early and we're sitting around the campfire after we had dinner and everybody's yawning. I, mm. I looked around. I'm like, man, it's got to be late. It's got to be close to 11 o'clock or 1130. And I looked at my watch 10 minutes after eight. And so just being away from the artificial light for that long and blocking the blue light your body jumps right back into that circadian rhythm. Yeah, I've noticed uh, in conversations with people and in, in my family, you know, I'm, I've been getting up late and going to bed late for 20 years. My dad's probably been doing it for like 50 years. And uh, our whole family has shifted later and later through throughout all this stuff. So it's a problem, you know. So that's why I wanted to ask, you know, the doc, in the, <laughs> what, what are the effects on, you know, melatonin cycling and cortisol and all the other stuff, you know, uh, because, I, you know, I realized obviously, part of the time that I'm sleeping and everyone else is sleeping, it's daylight out. Even if you have blackout curtains and you keep the room real dark, for some reason, it still seems like uh, the sleep is not as good as if you go to bed earlier and you're in darkness. Yeah, darkness. Well, I mean, you got to remember that actually one of the things that people are shocked to hear is that actually AM light actually is what stimulates melatonin production. It's just not released until the dark goes out so that it becomes active. So if you never sense that AM light in the morning, uh, mm. you're going to have a massive problem. And when you add in the blue light toxicity, this is the reason why people get diabetes. It's the reason why people are getting Parkinson's. It's the reason why people are getting Alzheimer's. It's the reason why people are getting sicker with diseases their grandmother used to get now in 20, 30, 40 years old. Uh, it's mm. no shock. Science of, you know, circadian biology and chronobiology is, uh, it's, I would say, relatively new in medicine. But it recently just got the Nobel Prize in 2016. So when people say that we need more study, we actually don't. What we really need is podcasts like you and people like you to understand kind of what's already been done. Uh, the things that we've believed about disease in the past actually are no longer true because we found new data and new methods that should replace our old beliefs. Many people believe that you know, carbohydrates are the single cause of diabetes. I just explained to you that blue light and insulin raises insulin and, uh, and blood glucose. You do that long enough, you're going to wind up being a type two diabetic. Uh, mm. We have a massive problem with that in the United States. Same thing is true with obesity. We also talked about the opiate crisis. These are all big, huge medical issues that are present, but for people to act like this is not related to the light environment that, you know, we've built as a society because of technocracy. I have to be honest with you. To me, that's pseudoscientific. And uh, I, I kind of shake my head as a physician. Uh, we need to do better teaching of the populace and need to realize that the things that they think are really good uh, for them in a lot of different ways have a really nefarious side. A good experiment Rich, to do would be maybe once you get your blue blocking glasses from me, you know, try, try a week seeing the sunrise every day 
I bet you a crisp hundred dollar bill that your sleep cycle changes. That's a huge well, effect. I mean, when people sit in front of the TV and they put them on, they'll notice almost immediately within a half an hour, they start to get tired. And this is even somebody who's got significant eye changes already, like pupil changes, blink reflexes altered, people who wear sunglasses, that they're the probably the people that do spectacularly worse because they're sensitizing their eyes to blue light by wearing the sunglasses. So... You know, what do you mean they're sensitizing their eyes to blue light? Why? Well, it's very simple. I'll give you an, an analogy so you understand it. Uh, when you came out of your mom, Richard, did you have sunglasses or any clothes on your body? <laughs> the answer is no, right? So let's take the let's take the thought experiment a little further. Maybe so I should I have been born with a, with a mask. Maybe that would be a great idea, too. Yeah. I come to your house and me and your wife uh, plant a uh, orange tree in the backyard and your kids come out and put water and nutrients in the ground to help the plant out. And then uh, your dad, who's been doing what we're talking about not doing for 50 years, comes out and put a tarp over the tree. We're going to get any oranges? Yeah, it'd be dead, yeah. Right, we're not. Well, guess what? What do you think putting sunglasses over your eyes, what stands right behind your eyes? That eye clock we talked about? And what's the big, other big thing? Three centimeters behind your eyes is your pituitary gland that makes every hormone in your body. Mm. So do you think that that orange tree and the tarp and the sunglasses over your eyes don't have an effect on your hormones that's exactly where people are having these huge changes that's the reason why you know guys now are having erectile dysfunction you know at 25 30 and 40 years old it's no longer happening in guys that are 16 70 years old because people don't realize what these effects are it's the same issue with women bleeding more now having more painful periods actually uh, when i was in medical school no one got ivf today most people can't have a baby without ivf um, these things are all tied to these things out there. So for people not to realize this, I can understand them not being clinicians, but this message needs to get out to doctors because doctors, you know, they rarely read anymore once they left medical school. Well, all this information has come out in the last 10 or 15 years. I'm sharing it with you. Uh, it's there, but to say that, it's not there and that we need more study to me is an actually direct slap in my face as a physician who actually stayed up to date and tries to share this information out there with people. I'm just appreciative of people like Dan that has decided to take some of his own money and do something to help these kids. Cause the kids right now are the ones that are being demolished by this. Yeah. I wasn't saying that uh, there's no conclusions and we need more study. I was just saying that there's a lot to look at. So, you know, I'm not aware of all the literature on it. And I can tell you one thing, and I've done about 2,600 plus interviews with a lot of scientists. So it's incredibly rare that I, I hear anything beyond, we don't know, we don't know when I ask most of my questions. So your knowledge on this is a lot more definitive than a lot of people I've spoken to, just so you know. Right. Well, and the reason why is because remember, most clinicians in medical school get taught about food and exercise. They don't get talking about light. They're not physicists. Turns out that neurosurgeons tend to know a little bit more about light because that eye clock mechanism is in the retina. It's called the supracosmetic nucleus. It's in every neurosurgery book, and we know about it. Uh, when I went through school, we didn't know as much about it as we know now. And like I said, you know, the Nobel Prize was given for it just in the last couple of years. Generally, it takes 20 to 25 years for clinical research to, I should say, for laptop research to hit the clinic. Well, it turns out that in this area, that's not so true. It's hit clinical medicine pretty fast. We now have NFL teams 
utilizing red light therapy to offset the blue light toxicity tied to traumatic brain injury. So that's an example where it actually has fast forwarded to the clinic because we don't have any answers for some of those diseases. I'm hoping that it begins to come to light quicker. I thought COVID-19 would be one of the things that people would be stunned at when I threw tweets out there left and right telling people that, you know, blue light raises blood glucose and insulin. Those things are well known in the immunology literature to stimulate higher risk for viral infections, but you'd be shocked at how many doctors out there don't even know that. And Richard, people like you at these podcasts are very curious and ask a lot of questions or really helpful to Dr. Cruz and to me trying to help the kids, protect the kids. And we really appreciate you having us on. Just another couple little quick side notes. So I just had shoulder surgery at a torn rotator cuff and a detached bicep and using the therapies that Dr. Cruz has helped me on. And all of this stuff, by the way, is free on his site. He's not selling any potions, lotions, or pills. He's doing all this for free because he wants to help people at jackcruise.com. And there is probably a thousand hours worth of research you could do there for free where he points you in the right direction. But just as an example, I had surgery 12 days ago. And I feel like, because I had my right, right shoulder done seven years ago, right now I feel like I'm two weeks ahead of where I was last time. Like I'm already feeling completely recovered and ready to start. My physician won't release me to go <laughs> to go do physical therapy yet, but my pain is gone. I'm, I'm doing red light therapy on it. I'm out in the sun. I'm doing the cold thermogenesis, seeing the sunrise and all that. And just from a recovery aspect, the stuff that he teaches helps in all just general health too, not just helping you avoid diseases. I think, okay. I think actually Dan's, Dan's story about his shoulder is even more interesting. If he told you a couple of uh, tidbits when he had his MRI done, the orthopedic surgeon told him that the tendon of one of the muscles of the rotator cuff looked atrophied, meaning it was small and it would be difficult to reattach. And the man called me up and told me that three or four weeks prior to his surgery. Mm -hmm. So I told him to do a couple of specific things in and around light. And lo and behold, Dan, why don't you tell Richard what the uh, orthopedic surgeon told you immediately after surgery? Yeah. So he said that biceps tendon that was retracted and way down there, he said, I give it a 50-50 chance if I'm able to get it re reattached. But when he pulled it up and got ready to attach it to the bone, he said it looked pink and supple. And when he scraped on it, it bled right away. And so he was able to reattach it and reattach, reestablish circulation. And he was very surprised. He said he's never seen that before. Right. And the reason, the reason for that is the combination of wearing the blue blocking glasses, getting your circadian biology right, but also adding back the red light to the area. What does that do? It stimulates energy projection from the mitochondria, and it also increases uh, oxygenation. So it makes the tissues better for a surgical repair. This stuff is all well known. The problem is the orthopedic surgeon didn't know it either, because if he did, he would have told Dan that. And uh, I'm the one that told Dan that. And I'm telling you that because I want everybody who listens to this to know that these are things that they can do at home without a prescription pad, without much money. All they have to do is take what I told them, research it for themselves, and then use it for themselves. Nothing all can right. make me more happy than doing that. Well, all right. So if you would, so we need you know, resources for listeners. So will you send me a few papers? Uh, we can attach them to the show notes or... 
you know, just telling people to go Google stuff usually, you know, may not work as well and some papers would be on paywalls. So I don't know if you have that or, you know, what, what are some resources in, in addition to them going to Lucia Eyes uh, for our listeners? I'm sure Dan can send you the papers in and around the glasses with blue blocking protection. Uh, I would tell people you, if you just follow me, follow me on Twitter, I post papers about this all the time. But for your benefit, Richard, two researchers that have done most of the work around red light in terms of the antidote for blue, their name is Michael Hamlin. He's at Harvard University. The second one is Tina Carew. Her first name is spelled T-I-I-N-A. Last name, K-U-R-U. She's from Russia. Those are the two world experts. The papers that are, are, are out on blue light and how it causes blindness and diseases. The articles are myriad and numerous. A simple Google search and putting in blue light toxicity will turn up thousands of papers. Uh, yeah, there, there's a bunch of them linked up on jackcruise.com too, Richard. And I, I will send you, after I'll email you, a few papers that you can tag to the show notes. Okay, well, very good. And then again, of course, you want listeners to go to Lucia Eyes. And I'm sure you guys work with, you know, you can take a prescription in and make the glasses for people. And, you know, uh, how long um, between someone contacting you and ordering them, do they get them right now? So we had some... Little hiccups with Corona, we're back on track now. We try to say from the time you order, if they're non-prescription glasses, they'll be you'll get a shipping notice within three days. Prescription glasses are five days. Oh, that's not long. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, well, I'll, get you a, I'll get you a coupon code for your listeners here. It'll probably be Genius 10, but I just want to make sure we haven't used that before. So I'll get it to you so you can have it in the show notes so your all your listeners can get a 10% coupon. We should, we should do a password for the episode. We'll say, what's Dr. Cruz's favorite color? You know, <laughs> you know, and that'll be the password to get into it. Just That's a great idea. <laughs> so, well, very good, guys. Thank you for coming. And I, uh, I appreciate it. I've got a lot to like look up and, and research and uh, you know kick my own butt and my family's butt to, to get them going in the right direction. So I'm glad I spoke to you very much. And, uh, yeah, we are coming. too. Thank you very much for having us. Take care, Richard. It was nice meeting with you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.